Guys, welcome to another episode of Metal Mastermind, co-founder and co-host Jason Stallworth, and also co-founder, co-host, the great Ken Dallas. Thank you so much. I always really appreciate you saying that. <laughs> hey, man, it's, it's what we're all about. We are all about you know, not only greatness on our end, and we're not tooting our horn, but we are all about really helping you toot your horn, guys. You guys are all great listening, uh, which brings us to brings us to a comment that we received on social media today from one of our, our posts. And it was in regards to music. Hey, what are you guys listening to? Just uh, kind of some casual stuff. Just want to see what you guys are listening to because Ken and I, we like to hear that. We like to hear, hey, what are you listening to? A lot of a lot of you are listening to older bands. Some of you will listen to newer stuff. And, and I discover bands I've never heard of before. So in any case, there's one comment. And I, and I won't call out the person's name because... Ken, you, you and I, we read this type of stuff. I don't want to say often, but sometimes we read these type of comments. And I think we can all relate to this at some point in our life. And this is a person's comment, guys. They said they haven't listened to music in a while, and the guitar sits and has been sitting uh, just off to the side for about a year. And they think the passion is dead. They think it's time to make a marketplace post. And... I don't know, man, that, that kind of pulled some heartstrings, Ken, for me, uh, and maybe for some of you guys listening. Now, some of you are like, man, I've never let down my guitar, but I know there's a point in my life where I didn't walk away from music entirely, but I was, it was a tough time, needless to say, so guitar wasn't a priority, and, and, I don't, and guys, I don't know this person's situation, Ken and I, we don't know the in-depth situation. Uh, again, I don't want to share the name of the person or anything like that. We're not, we're not trying to... Uh, make anybody we're not trying to call anybody out here there's nothing to call out uh but my heart just went out to this person and anybody feeling like this because a lot of times when you when you have that feeling something's going on ken have you ever you have you ever had a time where you just kind of like felt you know kind of screw everything like what, what am i even doing you know actually i have a I have a better example uh my father honestly my father mm-hmm. is uh 72 now so he um for a period of time, quite a long period of time. Um, when I was, you know, the last time I think I saw my father play when he was still in New York, he lives in Florida, but when he was in New York was when I was actively playing and I, he had access to the drum set in that area. Um, that was when I was 20 one to 22 ish he was he was a little bit more active on the drums because he would sometimes just go into my room and just play um i am 31 now right and uh it, when i when when i was 22 my parents moved to florida and i had to you know sort of uh do my own thing here in new york and uh he actually for a period of time while in florida he wasn't even able to uh play drums mm. and you know because it was just very chaotic my at the time my grandfather was still alive and he was uh he kind of moved in with my parents and that was uh hard because he had to share where he would have set up the drums he made that a bedroom and uh there are multiple instances in in in, in my father's life where uh he couldn't prioritize drums and uh, it was very difficult for him to be able to do it. Actually, 
he actually has a solo album. It's called Los Misterios de la Champagne, The Mystery of the Champagne. <laughs> oh, cool. And, I like uh, that. Yeah, I always love that title. It's very cool. But he he actually, as a, as a, as a drummer, and my father was a professional drummer for a long time. He played with Menudo, Ricky Martin, and a lot of Latin artists. Yeah. And uh, when he was working on his solo album, he didn't even play a lick of acoustic drums. He used a drum machine because that's what he had access to. Um, and, you know, you know, at the time, you know, he, my, my father was, wasn't, you know, making a lot of money. So he wasn't able to afford a giant studio session on his own. Um, and he, he got a little uh, Korg 16-track mixer recorder. It was an all-in-one, kind of like uh yeah, <laughs> you could record straight onto CD. Um, and then he uh, used a Boss sampler drum machine. Mm-hmm. And he just performed it. <laughs> he literally just performed it live to the best that he could. Uh, and that was so inspiring because, you know, for all that time, and that was when I was like, um, I was in my teens. I was in my teens and I was just like, trying to learn drums from rock band and i had a a rinky dink kind of set up in my in my bedroom at the time and he didn't really play on that either he was just kind of but he, he he had taught me a lot on how to play so throughout my my life i've seen my father have a lot of challenges to trying to play drums yeah. you know meanwhile before i was born my father was touring the world <laughs> And uh, now, nowadays, um, he has a lot of freedom to play drums, and he's been more passionate about it than ever. That's Um, That's so cool. So I don't think the passion dies. I really don't. I think what it is is a circumstantial, uh, especially if you're a drummer. It's very hard for drummers to have real estate, you know, because life is expensive. (laughs) But uh, he had... He had the patience and wherewithal to still make it happen, even into his 70s, to still keep playing drums. So I think it's all a matter of being patient with yourself and understanding that life comes in waves. And, uh, you know, just because you can't play, you know, your instrument now or you haven't been playing instrument for a year or so, I think that's normal. I think it's, uh, it's okay to take a break and come back to it later. Um, and do it, uh, for the sake of, you know, why you got into being a musician in the first place, right? Doing it for the love of, of music. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. And it's honestly full circle for me when I see him play now. Um, so I, I think it's a, there's a, there's a good aspect sometimes to taking a break. Well, that's two things you brought up. Uh, yeah, I remember in the mid nineties, late nineties, I recorded on one of those, uh, Fostex DMT eight, one of the first generation, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, hard drive recorders. And I also, I also played drums cause I'm not a drummer, but I had an Alesis. Uh, I think it was called the Alesis eight or something like that. You, you guys, some, wow. of you, some of you folks my age know what I'm talking about. I'm 48 by the way. And, uh, yeah, I literally played with my fingers and nothing professional back then. Just, just recording demos and that sort of thing, which I, I still have some of those on tape and probably CDs, but yeah, I remember that. Uh, so I think, I think a good point to take away from just that alone, Ken, is to, 
don't be intimidated by gear. Like you said, a drummer's life is pretty expensive. Uh, you don't often have the real estate or this, the place to actually play acoustic drums, especially if you're yeah. like in an apartment. Well, that's not going to happen, right? Uh, and having to rent a space just for that, just to go rehearse. Uh, and then the electronic drums, well, that's not like going to buy a five or $600 guitar, you know, no. <laughs> to get a decent set. I mean, that's, that's money. So, I mean, I think the moral of the story is, you know, use what you have at the time. You know what I mean? I, I used pre-recorded drum loops that were recorded in the studio for my first album, Apocalyptic Dreams. Uh, and I'm, I'm not really proud of this next part, but I did use Easy Drummer's Tune Tracks Easy Drummer for my heavy metal workout series albums. Uh, there was a specific reason for that, but I didn't have the means to hire a real drummer at that time. I did hire someone to program the second, the sequel to it, Edda Born from Siren. Uh, but I, the break, now some of you guys probably saw... I, I had a guest on my YouTube channel a couple of weeks ago, uh, Drew, Andrew Carlton. He's a private investigator here in Tampa, Florida, uh, but he also is the host for the Drinking with Drew show. And we talked about not playing guitar for 20 years. And he had a lot of great insight. And uh, and thank you for those who watched that, all the comments. Some phenomenal comments came in on that video from those of you who were in the similar situation, you know, where you laid it down for two, ten. 20, 30, 40 years, some of you, uh, and you're just getting back into it. And I think, I think stories like this inspire stories, stories like from what your dad has gone through, inspire others to say, okay, maybe this is just a season in my life where, you know, guitar or drums or, or music is not a priority, but that doesn't mean that it's dead in your life. It doesn't mean that it won't resurface. Absolutely. And you got to understand, like music is something that Whenever anybody ever got into it in the beginning, it was because you loved the feeling it gave you, the emotional connection. You know, you grow a bond through music. It's a universal language that we all communicate through. Some people uh, change their musical journey, right? They become, some people become audiophiles. They, you know, they want to just have a really good sounding system and just enjoy music. You know, so and they're musicians, too, but they don't necessarily actively play. Then there's, you know, people who, you know, decide to become, you know, the Ingve Malmsteins of the world and Steve Vai's of the world. And they become virtuosos, you know, but that's not the only path to musicianship. Right. Some people decide fulfilling people on their wedding day is fulfilling for them and it pays the bills. That's a great gig. Right. It's not you a have, bad gig. <laughs> it's not a bad gig. You got all these kinds of things. Just because you're not a superstar doesn't mean you're a failure. You're contributing to life in a meaningful way for others as a musician, even if it's as simple as music therapy, you know? So music takes on a lot of different forms. And uh, sometimes we get a little carried away with sometimes the spotlight of who it's on. Uh, yeah. And it's nothing to do with your capabilities as a musician or the value that you bring to the world. I am so happy to, to know that so many people are in music nowadays, more than ever before, and especially because of home recording technology and all that stuff. But, you know, was look, were it not for, you know, companies like Gorg and whatnot and Boss and all these, uh, you know, companies that create for, for the common uh, person, like we oh, yeah. wouldn't have a lot of the same opportunities. I mean, think about electronic drums 
Simmons, right? The, the company Simmons, how they revolutionized the entire world with, with the electronic drum set. You know, now if you are a drummer, you know, you can play drums at home with an electronic kit, you know, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. rather than just big acoustic drums. And maybe that's just all that you can do right now. And that's okay. The acoustic drums can come later, you know? Um, it's, it's a different path and you just kind of work with what you've got, like you said, and that is so important and it's don't ever beat yourself up for, you know, where life takes you sometimes. That's just how it is. And you gotta, you gotta adapt. Sometimes there's detours. I mean, God knows Jason and I have both had detours in our life too. So it's not like, you know, you know, you know, trying to reach success. I'm sure you've seen the memes of, you know, oh, it looks like it's a straight line, but it's really not. <laughs> it's it's mm-hmm. totally, you know, pits and falls and, you know, detours left and right and changing lanes to come back on the same lane. And then, yeah, man, it's never the same. So um, we all just got to embrace that as a musician, you know, you're this is why we always say also like you got to do music because you love music. It's not because yeah. you think you're going to make great, you know, a uh, career money wise, you know, how many, how many of those memes do you see that it's a, it's a financial hurdle to just try and be a musician. You, you spend more money trying to be a musician <laughs> than you make back most of the time. And you, you know, that's, that's the reality for a lot of people. And if you're doing it because you love it then you're in the right place. But if you're doing it because you think you're going to see some sort of return, you know, man, try stocks. You know, you'll probably be better with it. <laughs> well, and you know, and you, you, you can make money with your music. I mean, I, you guys know I'm, I'm a, I'm a full time musician. It's, it's all I do. Um, what I will say to that, though, guys, that's that's not for everyone. And I'll Absolutely. even say that uh, I've been guilty of, of, you know, kind of subtly trying to push other people. Hey, work for yourself. You know, have a side hustle and. I will be the first to tell you nowadays that although I do like that and, and, and I think that people should consider it, uh, it's not for everyone because the amount of work that goes into it and the amount of work that's required to really push forward and do something with it and the period of time that you're going to put forth a lot of effort and a lot of work and, and not be certain of the outcome, that's not for everyone. Um, you can make it as a musician. You absolutely can. Is it going to be tough? I can't guarantee that it's going to be tough, and we can't guarantee that it's not going to be tough. You know, there, I don't want to say there are shortcuts in life, but there are certain things where you can make the path uh, come to you a little bit closer, a little bit sooner, just by learning from other people, which is a big part, Ken, of why you and you and I started Metal Mastermind, uh, you know, with our courses. We don't have any courses on how to make money with your music, and I don't know that we'll ever even do that. We'll, we'll share that advice with you guys as, as, as you and I grow with Metal Mastermind and our own projects. And I'm, I've been openly sharing a lot of that with, you know, with folks anyway. But as far as learning guitar, uh, learning music theory, can you have a course on metal, called Metal Music Theory on the Metal Mastermind platform? If you were to sit down and try to look on YouTube and go through just a bunch of videos to learn music theory, you know, you might have a hard time, might get frustrated. Whereas if you, and I know I'm pitching the course here, but hey, rightfully so, because it's, it's valuable. If you were to take a course like Ken's metal music theory course, well, 
you can shorten that path of learning by doing that with education. It's why I have Metal Guitar Apprentice for those of you who are just starting out a guitar. So it's yeah. why we have a songwriting course. You know, if you're if you're if you're coming up on hurdles and you and you have these roadblocks or what I, I like to call songwriters block. Uh, you know, I just sent out an email to our audience the other day. Like, there's there's really no such thing as songwriters block. That's really kind of a myth. It's you just trying different things and looking at your own methods of writing music from different perspectives, which is exactly what we give you in Metal Songwriters Forge. So these these concepts run true in all of our courses. Um, you know, by the way, head over to metalmastermind.com. Look and see what we have to offer. Uh, for those of you who are in our courses, thank you. We greatly appreciate you. So, uh, yeah, but going back to your point, though, Ken, I don't think it's a good idea to get into music because... I'm going to make it right with, right. I think that's just, uh, I think you decide whether you're going to make it or not and you decide how far you want to go. Now that might look differently than what you originally had thought out, but can you make a living? Yes, you can. Uh, it's probably going to be a lot more work than what you expected. Uh, and it's a lot more than just saying, Hey, I'm going to write a song and it's going to go viral. Can that happen? Maybe. I, I don't personally know anybody that's happened to, but maybe, you know, it happened well, you know, that one. I'm you know, this is kind of one of those things where I see, um, you know, like, oh, why, why are uh, military operatives really good at business? You know, it's a skill set that you've learned that really good point. applies yeah. in different industries, too. I've seen many musicians become successful in other industries as well. And that's, I think, for a lot of things, it's, it's the endurance of being a musician. You know, the tenacity and temperance that comes along with having to do something like music, which is many times it's grueling, you know, you're trudging through mud, sort of, sort of to speak. Right. And that, that kind of experience, you know, leads you down uh, a path in your, in your uh, sort of emotional and, and physical capabilities of how to get things done because, most of the time as a musician and especially early on, it's kind of like survival mode, you know? So you kick in a lot of those gears and you, you figure out how to master it for you in the way that it makes sense in your daily life. Right. So I think a lot of these are very transferable skills and uh, you know, it's, it's a freelance thing for, for most of us, you know, you might be really lucky if you, you know, get a consistent gig or a residency or something like that. But yeah. for most it's, it's a freelance thing. And how many times have we said on this show that we so encourage multiple streams, right? Yes. Metal Mastermind is, you know, one great example for us. But, you know, for Jason and I as musicians, we are also entrepreneurs and business owners, you know. And we, of course, um, have come to a point in our lives where we were ready to do that, right? Because behind Metal Mastermind, like Metal Mastermind, we're, we're not like two young bozos anymore. We're like, <laughs> we're, we're not like 19 starting Metal Mastermind, you know. Yeah. I'm 31, he's 48. So we've got a lot of history behind us already that gives us the experience uh, to be able to be ready to do something like this. So you got to think about that perspective is uh, everything that you're doing, don't think, you know, oh man, this is probably all for naught. It, Probably not. You're, you're probably building a very, very critical portion of yourself to be able to do bigger and better things in life. And, you know, uh, as a, as you know, like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a university professor now. I didn't, I didn't expect to be that when I was 22, 
when my parents crazy, moved to yeah. Florida. <laughs> you know, it's like that's that wasn't in the to me. I didn't think that was in the cards. Um, but that's what it is now, and that's fine. And you embrace it because life again takes you on different paths. And just because you know I'm a I'm a professor doesn't mean I have to give up on music or anything like that. I could still very much do my music. Honestly, I, I just finished doing a whole bunch of Dolby Atmos mixes here in my own home studio, which is amazing. Uh, I pinch myself thinking that I have the capabilities of doing that as a home recording studio. So these sorts of things, don't worry about them. Most of the time, it's kind of in your head. <laughs> and you just kind of have to tell yourself, uh, let me just kind of chill out for a minute. And, uh, you know, I'm probably overthinking a lot of things and don't think that, you know, wherever things are in your life, if you're, if you're not actively playing, doesn't mean you have no passion left anymore. It's probably just because of circumstance and you'll, you can find your way back to it. You know, it, honestly, if you're a guitarist, all it means is just pick up the guitar again. Just, if you really feel that bad about it, then just start playing. <laughs> you know, for a drummer like me, maybe I need to uh, get a little drum pad. <laughs> Which is a lot easier for guitar players, and I'd say even vocalists, man. If you sing, just, you know, sing, right? You play guitar, you, you can have even a cheap acoustic sitting over to the side of the room. You know, something I, I listened to, Alex Hermosi, uh, a semi-famous now entrepreneur, was just some really rock-solid advice, just like straightforward, no bells or whistles, no frills. Like, no, this is really what you need to do and very practical. He mentioned that maybe not focusing on the result, that thing that you want, that pie in the sky, nothing wrong with that, but focus more on the action that you have to take. And, you know, what you and I learned in, in Leah McHenry's course as, as elite savvy musician students, which is where Ken and I met, she said you had to love the process. And if yeah. you don't love the process of building, you know, whether it's a business, whether it's learning an instrument, whether it's songwriting, forming a band, if you don't love that process, if you don't learn to love that process, you, you might, you might have picked the wrong yeah. industry, you know, even yeah. with learning guitar, if you're not really enjoying the journey along the way, I get it. You might be trying to learn a song, you're a little frustrated, but what I always tell my guitar students is maybe don't worry so much about learning someone else's piece of music because you didn't write it, they did. And, and, and I'm not saying don't learn it, but to me, there's not really anything special about learning something somebody else wrote. I mean, it's good for practice, but what can you do with that? If you're having a hard time with it, you're trying to play this riff, for example, and you're going to play the same instrument, any vocal line for that matter. What's your version of it? What if you went here instead of there? What if you sang this part a different way? What would that sound like? And I think you start coming into developing more of your own style and sound, which is you know what Ken and I talk about here. I mean, that's our motto at the end of every yeah, YouTube video. It. Yeah, we preach it, man. Create your own sound. You know, that's I think that's the most important thing you can do as a musician. Again, I'm not saying don't learn other music. I know that's fun. Yeah, I pulled off this difficult Amanomar riff or Megadeth riff or whatever. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, just me personally, I just I don't see anything special about learning someone else's music uh, unless you're going to take it and allow that to to fuel your own style and sound right i i always like appreciate it when people take a, a, a song that already exists and if they make a cover of it and they do it in their own yeah. way i always appreciate that uh, and it's a great way of breaking from the mold of your idols you know so you're learning from your idols you're playing their music 
you know, you're gaining certain techniques and skills from doing that for sure. Um, but then your creativity expansion from that, it's like, Hey, you know, well, let's do uh, an acoustic version of this and see what that sounds like, you know, instead of this, you know, put a cajon or, you know, and like, I've seen a lot of people do a lot of really interesting takes on different songs and developing their style that way. And then when they start doing their own original music, it, it has a bit of that element to it. So it's a great bridge to cross over. And, you know, your journey as a, as a songwriter, as a musician, it's all uh, tied to each other. You know, your skill sets of being able to write certain types of material may depend on certain types of skill sets that maybe you don't have yet or that you're building at the moment. And, you know, I always encourage people if they're doing, you know, music is to also get a little bit into uh, understanding some recording, right? Because that's another element that uh, adds another creative uh, layer to your process. I mean, I can't tell you honestly, like, how would I create what I create if I didn't know how to do music production? Like, that is such an important skill. I'm so glad I learned it. Um, it is a tool. And in the beginning, it's the same thing. It was the same thing for me, too. I actually had a conversation with a good friend of mine. His name is Kia. Uh, Jason and I have worked with Kia before. But uh, we were talking about uh, how sometimes we, you know, even as audio professionals, right, we're, we're, we're in the industry, we're, we've, we've got our connection. But we have come to a point in our careers where we're like, yeah, I don't, I don't want that audio <laughs> you know, like, I don't even want that kind of audio gig, right? And, you know, we're, we're like, I look at what I used to do before, and I'm like, how did my, my mind just not break from all the pressure I was putting on myself to do things like Good Morning America or doing live sound and then still also doing tech work at the colleges and then obviously becoming a professor later on? Like, that was putting a lot on my plate. Like, how did I not just break? Um, you know, there are people that we know that, for example, uh, are, are working in places like stadiums. And we're like, yeah, that is such an overwhelming gig. I don't mm. want that. <laughs> you know, I'm tired because of thinking some, about it, dude. <laughs> some, some people are built for that, you know, and if that's what you really aspire to, great. It wasn't for me. And I realized after a, a long period of time of being in this business of audio, just understanding like, oh, when I first started, I was like, I want to be, you know, recording, mixing, mastering. I want to do all that stuff. I did five internships while I was in college. And then I started working in the field. And over time, I was just like, you know, I felt like I was just doing it because I felt like I had to. <laughs> and I, I just kind of grew around the concept of always saying yes to every single gig that I could get. And, uh, because, you know, you're in survival mode, you're like, okay, I need to make money. And then after a while, uh, when you're in deep enough, they pretty much just start calling you and you are in a position where you can kind of pick and choose after a bit of time. And then when you are really, uh, you know, kind of settled in the industry, you can kind of see exactly what it is that you like. And, uh, that's a, you know, that's a really important part of your career as just uh, an individual finding, you know, that many times there are certain paths that are available to you that you could do, 
but is it worth it for you? You know, and finding out what makes a fulfilling life rather than just a life that is living and existing because you think you need to do this. You don't need to do anything. <laughs> you know, you, you put it on yourself what it is that is important to you. So you I think that's a, a very important thing. Yeah, I mean, you might have to, you might have to try some things in the beginning uh, to kind of get the status right. I mean, yeah. you know, if you don't, if you if you're not out there doing the gigs, even some of the ones you might not want to do, uh, you might not get the opportunities that come after that. And sometimes you got to work certain gigs to know what you don't like. Um, I mean, yeah. you guys know I play part of one of my income streams is playing solo acoustic gigs. Uh, people ask me why don't I play in bands because you know the bands that play around here. I know all these guys and. You know, they, they, get, they get paid individually a fraction of what I get paid to go to a solo gig. So it's like, okay, well, again, but that's just one stream. But there are, speaking to your point, Ken, you know, I started out by just taking whatever. Um, I was fortunate enough to start out at a winery, which I still play at, Killing Curly Winery in Plant City. And that kind of set the tone, no pun intended, tone music. That kind of set the tone, though, for my um, this, part of, this part of my job, I guess you could say, but that income stream. There are certain places that I won't play, and I had refused these types of places in the beginning, and those are just dive bar, dollar beer bars, because you know, they're not going to pay good, uh, they're not going to tip well, and, and it's just, I just don't really care for the environment. Nothing wrong with it, if that's your thing. I'm not saying anything against it to each their own, but you know, I, I was very fortunate to start out playing some really nice gigs. But fast forward to today, you know, Ken, to your point, there are certain gigs that you're just not doing anymore. And certain ones you're like, no, it's just not worth it to me. And, I, and I'm at the same point now. You know, people are calling me now, and, and I've got some steady places I play at on a monthly and sometimes several times a month basis. Uh, and my wife and I were talking about even cutting back on the solo gig because it is a bit taxing, just like your audio gigs you did, man. That was a all-day thing for you. And, and I know Good Morning America, dude, you're waking up at whatever o'clock in the morning, the wee hours of the morning, you know, 1, 2 a.m. So I'm, like, okay. I'm actually up the night before. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So it's like, okay, I don't really want to do that anymore, you know what I mean? And so certain gigs, that, and mainly it's just the ones that didn't pay well and the ones, you know, I, I stick to, Going back to your style, creating your style of music, guys, um, and this is aside from my metal stuff, obviously, my live solo acoustic gigs, I like the 80s music. That's my era. So I only play that. I stick to that. Somebody told me a couple weeks ago, I, I didn't really know this person that well, but, but they asked me to play a song um, outside of that. They, they let me hear a song on YouTube and like, why don't you play this next time? It was a friend of a friend, and I'm like... Uh, I, sorry, man. No offense. I just don't really care for that song. It's like, well, that's the thing. You, you're playing in front of people these live gigs, so you have to play stuff you don't like. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't. Uh, and I don't. <laughs> I don't. You know, so I, that's why, a, why I play where I like, you know. There's a great uh, uh, band. Oh, man. I forget their name right off the bat right now. Uh, but they uh, had a live show in the Mercury Lounge in New York, and I remember seeing them and they go and say on the microphone, it was like, I love you guys, but we're not your freaking iPod. And he didn't use freaking, he used the other. No, I, I remember you telling <laughs> you <know>? the story. <laughs> and, yeah. And I just love yeah. that attitude because it's like, you know what? Yeah. yeah. You, you don't have to conform to anybody. You can do your own thing. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Why? There's certain why, songs why I refuse to play, man. Yeah. I mean, you don't don't do what you don't like. I mean, if you don't love it, and don't and don't feel like you have to because you set that you set the rules for your own life, guys. Well, now a, a tactic I use, Ken, and everybody for anybody that plays live music. If you're playing cover songs. Um, you know, and I know I mentioned earlier learning, I don't like learning other people's songs. I, I barely learned these songs and I, I just know them from growing up with the eighties music, but I, I barely just scratched the surface on going in and learning everything note for note. Cause it's, it's a voice and an acoustic. It's not a full band, right? I can't, I can't replicate everything, but I'll transpose it to fit my vocals, uh, to where it sounds good and to where I can, you know, use some different chords on guitar. And I, I just play my own style, you know what I mean? But there are certain songs I won't do, and if I'm asked to do them, there are a couple songs that you'll hear in every live acoustic place. These people play the same Jimmy Buffett song, The Brown Eyed Girl, The Sweet Caroline. I just tell them that I'm sorry, I don't know that song, but I've got something you might like in its place. And that song might not even be anything close to what they you know want to hear, but the fact that I said, I, I do have something for you. I'm still going to give you something. Right. And I'm just going to play a song that I like, you know, this is for this yeah. person or whatever. So there's a little psychology trick there that you can use if, if somebody asks you to play something you just don't like. But <laughs> you, don't have to, you, you don't have to do what you, you don't want to do. Uh, my cousin and I, when we were kids, we were little brats. My grandmother, she'd tell us to do something we, we didn't want to do. And in unison, we didn't do this all, all the time because we got our rear ends faint. This is back in the days where we got whippings. So oh, <laughs> might be yep. my kids a little different today, but I'm not going to go there. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> she, some, sometimes she would tell us to do something in unison. We'd look at each other and we'd look at each other and we'd say, I don't have to, if I don't want to. No, I'm not saying you should have that attitude with everything, but seriously though, if you're playing music guys, I mean, in, um, and if you're doing something with your life that you really enjoy and, and love, and there's an aspect of it that, you know, it's just not you. Just recognize that about yourself, especially when it comes to music. Um, and I, I think, Ken, sometimes they might feel pressured to play uh, certain things. You know, you may have people that know you as a metal guitar player, since we're talking about guitar. But you might not like some styles of metal. But because you're a metal guitar player and people expect you to play that style, they, they just assume you should play this. Well, you don't have to play that, you know. There, I mean, right. I, I love metal music, but they, honestly, the guys, there's a lot of metal music I don't just don't care for, and, it, and it's not even not even down to the subgenre, but just certain bands. Uh, especially, I don't listen to a lot of American metal. Most of the metal I listen to, I mean, I'm sitting here wearing a, a Mono Marth shirt on on this podcast. You know, <laughs> nothing against American metal, but I, I don't like modern rock, American rock, and, and American metal. I just don't. It just doesn't do anything for me. And there's even some older bands that are just, they just scream metal. And I'm not going to name any names because I'm, you guys are going to judge me harshly. But <laughs> there's just, uh, well, I, I'll, I'll do it. I'll put myself out there. A lot of people, metalheads, love Pantera. I love the, the art of Pantera. I respect them, but I just, for some reason, could never really get into them. When I was younger, I, I was I, I was into the old Metallica and hair bands and then Scorpions and then some of the stuff, Slayer, Anthrax, but I, it was hard for me to get into Megadeth. Now, I like Megadeth, you know, these days for the most part, but back then. So there, it's just weird, and I can't explain that. But my point to you guys listening is don't think that because you don't like something or, or just it's not your cup of tea or cup of coffee in this case, because I'm drinking coffee, just because it's not your cup of whatever, 
that doesn't mean that you're wrong for not liking something, guys. You know, and it and it doesn't mean that you know it doesn't mean that I, I don't know you're not offending someone just because you don't like something. And if you do, well, that's their problem. That's not your problem. You know what I mean? I I love Nightwish. Nightwish is one of my favorite bands. There's probably a lot of people in the metal world, or, or some people that don't really care for that style. You know, but that doesn't make them wrong for not liking it, and it doesn't make me wrong for liking it. So, be you. It's I'll, I'll kind of sum that up with just just be your own musician. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to fit into a stereotype. You know, any of these no. kinds of isms and stuff like that. You know, uh, <laughs> I think it's kind of been. Uh, a bit of an ism for metalheads to not like country music in some ways. You know? <laughs> well, I am one. I am one of those. I'm not a big fan of country <laughs> or rap uh, or hip hop and that stuff. You know? Like you know, or even that kind of stuff. Like, but yeah. if you like it, like that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you can totally like whatever music genre you like and listen to that and perform stylistically to it too. Like, I love Latin music in you know in my daily life, and I listen to also classical music at the same time. Like I'll yeah. bounce back and forth and in my writing, you know, I'm using clave rhythms all over the place. You know, it's just a thing that comes out and that's part of honestly what makes you your own sound. Right. So you have to it embrace is, the, yeah. the unique stuff that you like to listen to because it pops up in your music as you're writing them because that's how you're thinking. Like I always think about whenever you write the music, you're trying to write the coolest thing that you could ever think of, you know, yeah. at any point in time. And that's where uh, it, it, it's important to understand the nuance of your influences. Uh, that's and a how really they, good point, man. That's a super yeah. good point. You, you know, it influences you. You know, you have to write for you, for one. I mean, as we get kind of hung up on subgenres. And, and I think if you are a band in a particular subgenre, and that's the subgenre you choose to be in for that band, I think it's important to stick to that because that's what your fans are used to hearing. And so this is kind of defines you. But then you may have other music projects that, that like, kind of reach outside of that. You know, again, I'm wearing a Mon Marth shirt, you know, melodic yes. death metal, if you will. But I, I also will pop on the Pet Shop Boys. I like 80s pop. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Bon Jovi's old stuff. I'm a big fan of Richard Marks. Richard Marks is anything but metal although he did co-write or write or either co-write some of the songs for the uh the girl hair band vixen which is pretty cool but some people <laughs> wouldn't consider vixen metal though right back then they were heavy metal right but so just you know allow yourself give yourself the freedom to be you there's something else can you and i talking about just allow yourselves the freedom to be you if it, just because someone else doesn't like it or doesn't think that you should do it doesn't mean anything. I mean, I, it's the beauty of being, I guess, a solo artist with just the name Jason Stallworth. I'm known as metal, but Ken, I'll probably put it out an acoustic album next year. I might put it out an acoustic version of some songs, and I've written a lot of acoustic stuff. And uh, some of the acoustic stuff sounds nothing like what I'm doing in the metal world, you know. So yeah, I don't know. Just just be you, guys. Just be you. Yeah, yeah, and you, and don't don't go in writing music to try and fit it into a box of a genre. Yes, first. You, know? oh like, you don't do that. <laughs> it's so the good. other way around. So you got to write the music first, then you define what genre it is. <laughs> uh, some people get caught up with you know putting the cart before the horse sometimes, and it's you're like right, you're right. You know, like dude, just take the natural, organic steps first. You know. Feed into the imagination that you have. Use your creativity first. That's the fun part. 
don't try to start thinking about genres and all that stuff until you've got something that you're proud of first. Once you've got what you're proud of and you can, you're, you're, you're determined to use this as a way to, you know, build a fan base. Now that's when we can start thinking about how do we define what it is that you do and what your genre is. Then you can communicate exactly your stop to other people. So that's, that's, you and I learned that though. I mean, we can, we can share this marketing tip real quick uh, with you guys. This this is for those of you who are really serious about your music and what you're doing, uh, or if you're serious about the business or whatever, whatever business you're in. Cause I think it, it, it uh, holds true across really anything you're doing, but we learned that create your music and then put it out there for your audience. You know, you should always be building some sort of audience because if you don't have an audience, nobody's going to buy your music. But put it out there to your audience or if that's just your friends, let them tell you what your music sounds like. Don't put any preconceived notion in their mind. Just, hey, this is, this is, these are three songs I wrote or this is one song or whatever. And get different opinions from different people. They will tell you what you sound like. And Ken, you and I would say, don't be emotional about that because sometimes people will say, well, your music sounds like this band. And you're, and you're like, oh, that's not my intent. I don't even like that band. Doesn't matter. You get this feedback from people and you pick the majority, like, let's say the top three bands and artists that these people, your friends and people around you yep. say your music sounds like. And you find people that like that music, those bands. And then that's the, that's your audience. You know, you and I learned that in our marketing course, uh, Liam McHenry's uh, Elite Savvy Musician Academy. Yeah, long course that we went through. So I mean, that's that's just a marketing strategy that you know that you can use, and that's just a smart way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, marketing your music is also something that comes with time. You know, uh, if you haven't released an album yet, you know, don't worry about marketing just yet. I, I knew that when the first album I made for Homeric, I, I knew that that was going to be a platformer kind of album. It wasn't going to be the thing that I released to the world that is my defining magnum opus. It's not that. <laughs> I knew that it was going to be the step uh, stepping stone for what was to come after. Um, so you have to think about how, you know, your actions, you know, don't, you don't set enormously high expectations where if, because you didn't meet them, you know, now it's a failure. Like that's, that's kind of silly. Set the realistic expectation first of like where you're trying to go in your career. What are the milestones that are important in order to reach your end goal? Right. And embrace, like you were saying as well, race the journey, every step of the process, whenever you win, celebrate it right? If you fall down and you fail, okay, learn from it, pick up the pieces and go. But don't give yourself, you know, extraordinarily, uh, you know, unrealistic expectations, right? If this is your first album ever, okay, don't expect it to blow up to a million people, right? <laughs> it's not going to happen. You're probably going to have to do a couple of these maybe in, if, you, if you can write fast and you, you can put out more albums. You might have to write a couple albums before you get to a certain point in your career where you can really start reaching other people. Or, you know, if you're like me, who takes a long time to make your stuff, you're just going to have to spend a little bit more time, right? You know, it's just one of those things that um, I see a lot of musicians do more often than not, and it's uh, to disappoint themselves. And this comes back to the whole thing we were talking about earlier. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, I didn't, 
some people will get really hung up on age. They're like, oh man, I didn't really do it in my 20s. So now I'm just, you know, a failing musician. I'm not doing this anymore. Maybe I should just put it down. Maybe I don't have any passion left. And not to say that that's what that person said, but you can, you can feel the, you know, oh, maybe it's time to start selling my equipment because I'm not really doing this as professionally. You don't have to do that. If you really don't want to, if you feel it in your heart and soul that this is something that you want to, even if you didn't, let's say, make it huge in your 20s, which by the way, that's like an exception, okay? <laughs> it's like, if you did it in your 20s, damn, good for you. Because like, holy crap, not everybody gets to do that, really. That's like the 1% of musicians who actually make it in their 20s, okay? Probably even less than that. So then you all, you're talking about like the majority of people who are actively playing as a musician throughout their lives, making income from that. You know, the rest of the populace in the music world is mostly doing that. They're, they're growing throughout their lives into the roles that they play. And, you know, if you want to play for yourself just a hobby, no shame in that. There's also no shame in trying to pursue a career for yourself here, too. So um, don't, don't let the, the world and its stigmatisms and, you know, stereotypes and isms and all that stuff, like, get you down. Like, everybody's their own individual. So you have your own path to follow. My path is not going to be your path. It's not going to be Jason's path. You have to think about what suits you uh, for your lifestyle, for your ambitions, what you want out of it. And you got to be honest with yourself because if you start doing something without that honesty, now you're putting yourself in, in a hole where you're trying to either impress other people because you said you were going to do it, so you got to hold yourself to it now. You know, you know why, why are you going to be doing a certain type of industry if you're not you know fully in love with the process of doing that industry you have to be you have to so i i I leave it there Uh, jason do you have anything else you want to add or you want to talk about our metal music yeah we (laughs) we got to bring up our metal song of the week um i'll go ahead and and send over mine ken now and i just heard this band for the first time it's a band called crypta c-r-y-p-t-a they're like a death metal, black metal band. I'm not, I think they're from Brazil. I could be wrong. I'm not sure. I shouldn't, I'm not sure where they're from. But anyway, Crypta, their latest album, 2023. Uh, again, I'm, I'm wanting to listen to some newer stuff to see what's out there. Uh, their newest album called Shades of Sorrow. The entire album's good. I've listened to the album a few times all the way through during my workouts. You guys know I train first thing in the morning. Uh, but nice. Dark Clouds, track number two, is just is cool. Just a cool band. They're, they're just full-on death metal and... Death metal is one of those genres. I tend to lean on the side of more melodies and just melodic, the melodic death metal style. And they're kind of that, which black metal has a lot of really cool melodies as well. So, oh, yeah. But, dude, I heard this. I'm like, okay, I, this is it. Death metal to me, like, I either love it or it's like, ah, I just I can't listen to that band or whatever. And again, guys, this is just preference. If, you know, going back to the taste, you know, you might not like spicy thai curry like i do right and that's okay if you don't anyway yeah crypta shades of sorrow uh, really good album dark clouds track number two wow nice uh I, actually i was taking a listen to something you sent me a while back jason uh kalma uh, yeah. k-a-l-m-a-h yeah. um the black waltz was the album and uh, the song you shared was the groan of wind um, but, uh, yeah, I, I really, I really like this out. Very, very cool. Um, another thing that I like 
uh, listening to lately has been also Hylung, Hylung, H-E-I-L-U-N-G. It's a bit of like a Nordic type of uh, music with, uh, it's kind of more tribal in a sense, but I feel like a lot of its essence is very relatable to metal. So I figured I'd share that. Um, but yeah, uh, Kalma, very interesting uh, record. I really like the, the timbres of their, their choices. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. Guys, that wraps it up for another episode of Metal Mastermind. Thank you so much. Before you go, hey, check out MetalMastermind.com. We have got a ton of resources out there for you rock and metal musicians. So do check out our courses. A lot of helpful content out there. And we will see you on the next podcast. As always, create your own sound.